Rocking the boat means being very passionate about a particular topic and going full steam ahead to spread that message, whether it's popular or not. Hi everyone, this is Rock the Boat, a podcast about Asian Americans charting unconventional career paths. Whether you're an entrepreneur, creative, or someone who's looking to break through a few ceilings, this podcast was made for you. We're your hosts, Lucia Liu and Lin Gui. Hey everyone, it's Lin. Welcome to episode three of Rock the Boat. This week, we talked to Charlotte Cho. She's the co-founder of Soko Glam. Soko Glam, if you haven't heard of it, is an e-commerce company that Charlotte and her husband Dave started in 2012 to help people discover Korean skincare products, beauty trends, and cosmetics. I'm a personal fan of Soko Glam, not just because it curates top-of-the-line Korean products, but because it helps people like me, who is admittedly not very skin-savvy, learn how to integrate skincare into my routine. Their content is fun, informational, and super easy to follow. I wanted to chat with Charlotte because she clearly understands a thing or two about Korean beauty. But more importantly, she's built a growing company and an impressive community, over 240,000 strong. And it started from just a side project. So naturally, we were curious about how she did it. In this episode, we discuss how Charlotte straddles two very different cultures between Korea and America, and how she uses them both to her advantage. We also talk about how she started Soko Glam as a passion project, her thoughts on Asian American representation in the media, and finally, her words of advice to those who want to rock the boat. If you're interested in embracing your hyphenate upbringing and changing the narrative to work to your advantage, Charlotte's story is certainly one to learn from. We interviewed Charlotte on two separate occasions, so you may hear some variance in audio quality. The first time we met was back in 2017, and at the time, Soko Glam operated out of a WeWork. A year later, Charlotte invited us to their new headquarters at a much bigger office of their own near Herald Square. We were greeted at the entrance with a brightly lit sign that said, only good skin days ahead. My name is Charlotte Cho, and I'm the co-founder of Soko Glam. And for those of you who don't know what Soko Glam is, it's a Korean beauty site, and we curate the best selection of Korean beauty products. And we really believe that we can help all people believe they're good skin days ahead. Charlotte has a sweet and bright personality. And of course, perfect skin. I'm 33 years old, and I was originally from California, and now I'm based in New York. I had a very I'd say typical experience as a Korean-American second-gen kid. Uh, my parents immigrated to California about 43 years ago. We grew up in a predominantly Hispanic and white neighborhood. So uh, I remember growing up and being made fun of for being Asian, one of the only Asian kids in school. And uh, I had um, some people even create little chants and and songs just to taunt me and I remember that didn't feel good <laughs> um, but I was lucky enough to have very supportive teachers and then I had a supportive group of friends so um, they really helped me get through that and so I don't think I was that affected by it to be honest and so I grew up a pretty happy-go-lucky kid. Growing up, Charlotte's parents gave her a lot of autonomy which is likely why she tried out a number of odd jobs in high school. 
I remember the first thing I wanted to do once I hit high school was I wanted to start working. And my, my family was very confused about the fact that I wanted to work at a movie theater. I wanted to work, you know, part-time job. And I didn't get forced into it. I just wanted the experience. And so my mom and my dad, who are pretty typical Korean parents, had, had said, you know, you, you should focus on your studies. And that was definitely something they mentioned to me. But I said, oh, I, I really like working. I really like making my own, my own money. And it's kind of fun exploring and getting to try different things. And so they didn't really push me either way. And I, I really uh, am glad that they gave me that freedom. And now that I look back in retrospect, they gave me so much freedom. Uh, I had a lot of other friends that had parents that were kind of like the tiger moms. And I, I am now very thankful that my parents were giving me that freedom because it is hard. As a parent. I worked at a restaurant as a cashier and also as a server later in college and then I also worked at a lot of little odd jobs um, on, on campus as part of the work-study program and I was also a ticket taker at an independent movie theater and so out of all of those experiences I think I have to say working in a movie theater was my favorite. I also liked uh, being a waitress. I thought it was so much fun. I love to see the the inner workings of a restaurant and how you take care of customers and just the science behind how everything is working together and it's like you're kind of a cog in the wheel and, and there's so many people that are playing a big role. I, in retrospect, I think about that experience and how it's helped me in my journey with Soko Glam as well. Charlotte's hands-on attitude and her willingness to learn really helped lay the foundation for her big idea later on. That famous Steve Jobs quote comes to mind. You can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. Though, the idea for Soko Glam didn't start very big at all. After graduating from college, Charlotte went to Seoul, South Korea to work in PR at Samsung. She wasn't really sure if that's what she wanted to do, though. A lot of people um, were confused about what they wanted to do. They changed their major. 10 million times, um, and I struggled with that too. I said, I'm not really particularly good at one thing. I'm actually terrible at math. I'm not a, like an excellent writer. I'm not, I can't see myself being a lawyer because I'm just not disciplined enough because, you know, it's so much research involved. And there's so many industries that I was like, I don't see myself in any of those. And so it made me panic a little bit and made me worried and I just, I felt I found myself in advertising, which I felt like everyone and their moms did, and it was just it was a depressing time and confusing time for me. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll just go through life not really finding what I'm passionate about. Growing up in California, she had some exposure to Korean culture through church and Korean school on the weekend. But it was Charlotte's older sister who was always more interested in Korean culture. Charlotte remembers looking up to celebrities like Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie, who graced the covers in magazines. She didn't have a single Asian role model. But once she went to Seoul, things began to change. More than the, the PR job, it was, it was like the whole culture of Korea that I fell in love with, and I was very passionate about that. So I ended up staying there for five years, but not because I'm like super passionate about PR, but it was like, oh, I'm in such a cool city, I'm like exploring, it's my early 20s, and I'm meeting so many interesting people, and I love Korean culture, and everything around me is so amazing. She also found love of the romantic kind with her now husband, Dave Cho. Dave, who graduated from West Point, was stationed at the Seoul military base at the time. 
They hit it off and connected on many subjects, including Korean skincare. I was never into skincare growing up. My mom would tell me that, you know, you should use sunscreen and you should do this and that, but I never would listen to her. And so I was just a typical American girl that didn't care about skincare at that time. And when I went to Korea, that's when I fell in love with skincare. But Dave, he also has Korean parents and he listened to his mom. And so all the <laughs> tips that his mom gave him, he listened and he actually had a pretty decent routine. And so if you look at his skin in any pictures on Instagram, you'll see that he has amazing skin and he uses a very regimented skincare routine. Every single day, he's very diligent. This obsession with skincare is everywhere in Korea, even the least expected of places, like the Korean military base. It's a well-known fact that South Korean men develop elaborate skincare routines during their 18 months of mandatory military service. The Wall Street Journal even published an article titled, The Secret to Surviving Korean Military Service, Moisturizer, Foam Cleanser, and a Cucumber Face Mask. Yeah, local Korean men are definitely well-versed in skincare. Uh, if they even have a, a skincare shop in front of the base before they enter, because when they go on vacation and stuff, like, they'll stock up and they'll enter the base because they're just so good at taking care of their skin. Who knew having smooth skin would be critical to national security? Sorry, bad joke. Charlotte and Dave stayed in Korea for five years, immersing themselves in the culture and sharing their favorite products with friends back in the States. It was natural for them since they loved Korean products and skincare. It was fun. But when Dave got into business school at Columbia in New York City, they had to make plans to leave Korea. They wanted to find a way to bridge cultures and stay connected to the country they grew to love so much. Dave and I were talking about, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we, since we're leaving Korea and we're both sad about it, wouldn't it be cool if we started something that would connect us to Korea? And so, the seeds for a creative partnership were planted. When we first decided to work together, it wasn't really work. It was really about a passion project that we both wanted to kind of pursue together. And it was really supposed to be just like a creative outlet. We were definitely passionate about this little side project on the weekends, and we didn't think it was going to really go anywhere other than just being a side project. Charlotte admits that they knew very little about e-commerce or setting up a business from scratch. But as they say, resourcefulness and the internet can be an entrepreneur's best friend. We'll look up YouTube videos on how to take pictures of products and create our own light box out of like cardboard. We literally had terrible photos because we didn't do anything professionally because we never thought it'd be like a thing. And then at the time, there was a lot of new sites that allow you to um, make e-commerce shops out of like thin air. It was super easy. You don't need like a crazy budget to create, get a developer. Mm -hmm. So everything was just like for fun. And then, yeah, and then it basically snowballed into now, four years later, <laughs> there's an actual you know, opportunity here yeah. and it's been an amazing journey. Along the way, Charlotte's gotten certified as an esthetician, which is basically a skincare professional who can perform cosmetic treatments like facials and recommend skincare products that are appropriate for your skin. Dave is now the company's official CEO. Together, they've built a company that brings in millions of dollars in revenue. They recently moved into an office of their own near K-Town in New York City and have doubled in size in just the last year with 40 employees. But like any startup venture, the journey had its rocky moments. Charlotte had her doubts about the viability of Soko Clan. For instance, when she and Dave first moved back to New York, she still anxiously applied to regular PR jobs. 
I did send my resume out to like maybe 30 places, didn't hear anything from anyone. I was like really freaking out at that point. Um, Dave started school. I would go to his events because they're actually very welcoming for spouses. They call them better halves at Columbia. And um, I would go to these events and everyone was like doing something really great, you know, finance, consulting. And I was like, what do you do? I'm like, I sell beauty products online. It was kind of embarrassing. I have to admit, like, I actually said, oh, I'm just looking for a job because I didn't even think Soko Glam was a viable business I wanted to share <laughs> with people. Um, I was still self-conscious in that way because you do have societal pressure mm-hmm. in a business school setting to have like this amazing career, even mm-hmm. as a better half. But Dave gave Charlotte some advice that kept her on track. Every three months I'd panic and be like, okay, I'm gonna revise my resume and send it out again. And he'd say, just focus on Soga Glam for one year straight and put all your effort into this. And he is his effort, obviously. He was fully invested in this too. And he said, let's not think about submitting a resume, think about other jobs at all or other opportunities. Just wait for a whole year and then reassess. She said, you know, you this will never take off and this will never be a big business or an opportunity if you put 10% of your effort into it. If you have like 90% of your brain like, oh, what other opportunities, what career should I pursue, what job should I apply for, then this will definitely not work out and then you should might as well give up now. After three months, you'd have to give me that pep talk, that same pep talk. Because <laughs> I would start to lose steam. I'm like, oh, this is not going anywhere. We're getting like six orders a week. What is this? But then, you know, we got covered in New York Times and then we got covered in different things and we started to pick up orders, you know, six orders a week ended up being six orders a day and it just started really snowballing and um, we were first movers in the space so we got, when beauty editors started getting excited about this idea, they would always link Soko Glam and this was crazy amounts of traffic to our site um, and it was like to the point where we couldn't keep things in stock and at this point we definitely knew this was a great opportunity and this was um, an opportunity that even Dave's professors at Columbia started to take note of. And uh, so we were really lucky all around. The timing was perfect. Uh, I think if we tried to start Soko Glam a couple years before we did, it would have fell flat on its face because the world wasn't, the, the US was not ready for that at that point. But with social media and all of these other factors, Korean beauty had its chance and we were like right there, you know, kind mm-hmm. of ready. Timing was dynamite. But the power of storytelling and the messenger can't be undervalued here. Not to toot our own horn, but we created it too because Korean beauty products have been in the U.S. before we came. For example, Face Shop, mm-hmm. Misha. Misha opened up, I heard momentarily, it was a big brand in Korea, mm-hmm. opened up a huge shop in Times Square like in 2008 and totally failed. Mm-hmm. Face Shop has been around in immigrant communities for mm-hmm. a while. So it's been here, but no one's been able to talk about it like mm-hmm. we did. So we reached out to the beauty editors. We got them excited about the products. We got people really in- interested in the education around Korean beauty. So there was so many factors that allow Korean beauty to grow. Um, we cold called all these beauty editors who even they said, what's K-beauty? Is it Shiseido? You know, they didn't understand the distinction and they sometimes still don't understand the distinction between Japanese and Korean beauty. Yeah. But to create that excitement and to create loyalty and about the products and the innovations and really create that PR message. It all came down to that and we were the ones that were able to give brands a voice. Charlotte became an ambassador of sorts between Korean brands, American distributors, and beauty magazines. 
Her previous boss at Samsung ended up joining her and Dave as her first employee at SocoGlam, and he always told her that her biggest advantage was her ability to bridge the gap between Korea and the U.S. as a Korean-American. So instead of focusing on the differences between the two cultures, Charlotte fully embraced her dual identity. I think what really helped the narrative and what really helped beauty editors get connected in, in ways that Misha or Face Shop could never have done at the time is that those shops are operated by Korean people from Korean backgrounds. They lived in Korea all their lives. They get flown out here as like a subsidiary and they try to sell the product. But I'm a Korean-American. I was born and raised here. I understand the American mindset about beauty. I lived in Korea and I have Korean parents. So I understand that side as well and what they're, you know, what they have to say about their products. And so it's kind of like bridging the gap between Korea and the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I was able to say, hey, I'm Korean-American and these are the things that are, I find so exciting about these products and really differentiate from American products. And so that narrative was accepted and understood easily by these other, you know, Caucasian beauty editors. And, you know, I was able to talk to them like a friend. As Korean beauty becomes more mainstream, it's not uncommon to find popular Korean brands at major retailers like Century 21 or Sephora now. But Soko Glam was the first to really educate consumers about the products back in 2012. More than anything, it's the community they've built that differentiates Soko Glam from other platforms. I think that what Soko Glam has created is a community of trust. And so we'll find that even there's a brand that will sell to um, other retailers, they don't get the same kind of attention that we're able to provide because we're very niche and focused about Korean beauty. Soko Glam has the most loyal and um, engaged community that is really able to set itself apart from others. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that takes years to build and it's not always so easy to build that. So um, we're really, really protective of that and want to yeah. make sure that we make all the right choices, never feel you know, like we need to do something that erodes that trust in any way. Now that she has built an engaged and loyal community, Charlotte is finding ways to give back. What I'm really happy about these days is that I have a platform where I could talk about things that really matter to me and some of the things I talk about on my Instagram, for example, is Asian representation. Um, the recent Crazy Rich Asians um, movie, I made sure I publicized it and talked about it frequently and supported it and shared my community that I'm supporting this movie because it's such a big moment for Asians in the U.S. Personally and professionally, Charlotte supports various initiatives around representation. For instance, on World Refugee Day, Soko Glam donated skincare products to North Korean refugees through an organization called LINK, which stands for Liberty in North Korea. Most recently, she's launched her own skincare line called Then I Met You to inspire everyone to go deeper in the things that matter to them. She says that its development signifies a turning point. And with Soko Glam, now the fastest growing brand in K-beauty at 45 brands strong and monthly traffic in the millions, it does seem like a turning point. Still, Charlotte never forgets to pay it forward. Yeah, I think growing up in California, I didn't really have many Asian role models. Um, so now that finally, <laughs> in my mid-30s, I'm in the position where I can help spark or encourage more of that Asian representation and support that cause so that the younger generation can grow up with Asian role models in in the U.S., I think that is, is very important to me. And um, I think that hopefully I've been able to encourage people that are 
of all backgrounds, um, of all colors, that, you know, they could also kind of achieve their dreams when it comes to entrepreneurship or when it comes to, you know, just starting something new or doing something that's off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's hopefully what I can do. Um, I felt my experience has been so welcoming and so inclusive and people have been very supportive of my journey. Uh, I encourage all female entrepreneurs and any entrepreneurs out there to simply ask and believe it or not, people are willing to help you. Um, even people that you think don't have enough time or you think may not care to speak with you. Believe it or not, people are very excited to help others, um, especially if um, you are just very honest, open, and earnest about it. Um, and I think that, especially if that person's been an entrepreneur themselves, they can relate to your struggles or to your needs in so many ways. So I would just say go for it and um, never hesitate. We couldn't agree more. After all, it's this very advice that got me and Lucia connected to Charlotte in the first place, simply asking. So whatever it is that you've been dreaming about starting or doing, Go for it and embrace the journey. Honestly, I I feel that Soku Glam has achieved so much, more than I could have ever imagined. And so I really feel that I couldn't ask for anything more. To be 100% honest, I feel that that we've been so lucky and fortunate to have, have achieved um, what we've achieved and to have the community that has been so, so supportive and I find that so precious and I just feel so lucky every day I'm just like we're so lucky and I always tell Dave we are yeah. so fortunate and to think it all started with a simple side project growing up as Asian Americans we often straddle different worlds we may experience an identity crisis feeling too Asian for America and too Americanized for Asia my key takeaway from Charlotte is that we shouldn't see these hyphenated identities as a disadvantage. Instead, we should embrace our unique heritage as a strength and use it to our advantage. In an increasingly globalized world, it can only serve us well to be able to see from both sides of the ocean. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rock the Boat and to Charlotte Cho for sharing how she turned her passion project into something much bigger. We hope it encourages you to go after your dreams. And in the process, embrace your biggest advantage. We've included her bio and relevant links from our conversation in the show notes. Next time on Rock the Boat, we speak with Rani Mazumdar, a first-generation Indian immigrant who is changing the view of Indian cuisine in New York City. Why restaurants? It's because I saw a very clear void in what's happening from an Indian cuisine perspective. It's in the peripherals, the hole-in-the-wall experience, or really high-end, one or two, and that's where the conversation ends. It doesn't really have a seat at the table, if you actually think about it. It is nowhere close to being regarded as where French cuisine is, Italian is, and there's many reasons for it, nothing wrong with it. But we, as my generation, have that responsibility for our future to move that narrative forward. We talked to Rani about his journey from working at his father's fruit cart as a young boy to now opening what New York Times calls a top 10 2018 restaurant. Tune in to hear Rani talk about overcoming the fear of failure and how he's able to fuse his many interests into a life he's excited about. If you're a polymath, 
or you're currently on a journey of exploring your own passions, Ronnie's story will help shed some light on your own path. Please subscribe and share this episode with anyone who you think could benefit from it. And leave us a few kind words on iTunes. Those positive reviews help a ton. If you have suggestions for topics about the Asian American community or a personal story that you'd like to share, email us at hello at gorocktheboat.com. Finally, a big thanks to our audio editor, Molly Schulson, for mixing and editing this episode. We couldn't have done it without you. See you next time.